Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download the Zion Clear Lake app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. So I wonder, because I don't know at what point you actually put us in, but every once in a while we'll be laughing as we're coming in. Yeah. And I wonder if people are like, why are they laughing as they're doing the introduction? we have fun and chat before we start. We do. Well, where we talk about life and all the other stuff. And Our poop. Sometimes. <laughs> More often than not, I'm going to be I mean, that was kind of on today's topic. A little bit. Well, no, it was colonoscopies. Yeah. Which is not poop. No, but it's not. It was some reason I mean, we talked about we poop. We did. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, why do I listen to this? All 12 of the people that are on are listening. Hey, I wanted to give an extra shout out to Lindsay, who um, is in a relationship with Caleb Pratt, our oh, yeah, yeah. kids t- coordinator. Yeah. Uh, she listens online to our podcast. Well, hi, Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. So we have a new listener. That's awesome. I was talking and oh my gosh, I, this is why I hate meeting people at, I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> I hate meeting people at <laughs> That's not true. No, I remember one time you said you talk to people a lot. I do talk to people a lot. The problem is, is usually I'm in the middle of doing things, so I don't remember names. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember, she goes to Open Bible. And, uh, oh my gosh. And is it Vanderplug? Yes. I was just yeah. going to say, that's funny. Carrie. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, she listens. She was saying how much she enjoys yeah, it. And so I asked. Hi, Carrie. Shout out to being one of the 12, now 13. We now have 13. 13 people. There are listen. more than 12 people. And we are diminishing their value. We are grateful no, that you I'm listen. I'm just being comical. I'm just trying to be funny. That I know, but it's been a reoccurring theme. It's because it's funny. <laughs> so this weekend's sermon. <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, so we're we're finishing the recovery series. Yeah. And Kate, I got to tell you, I thought you did an amazing did job on Sunday. Thank you. Thought Derek did a great job starting it, and yeah. all of this. And I actually, I've been, I've been feeling more and more like if we're going to be intentional around our sermon series and the things that we do, I think there's, we, I think it's helpful if we find ways to connect them, even though they're different series. How can we, like, overall our theme? Yeah, like a holistic mm-hmm. view of what we preach throughout the year. Yeah, and, and I think part of it is, like, this year, our, our first year, we did all about belonging. Yeah, we did. And everything was about, excuse me, everything was about trying to connect or find a way to talk about the importance of belonging. And it's one of our core values. It's part of our vision. Uh, it's not our mission. Our mission is to make disciples because Jesus defined the mission, not us, right? That's right. But our vision is we want to be a place where you don't have to believe to belong. Um, but we are unabashedly about Jesus. Yeah. And so this year's theme has been all around belief. And I, I was thinking about this. And I'm like, man, even when we talked about in the park, when we did the This Is How I Fight, how that actually, I think that actually kicked off our belief series. Whether I didn't see it in the moment, but thinking about the fact that there's really a battle that's going on that we don't see. Yeah. And that that battle is primarily for our mind. Well, isn't that the first step is acknowledging it? It's like, hey, this is a spiritual thing. This is a thing that starts in our mind. Yeah. And we spent all summer on the, this is how I fight. And uh, this week I was reflecting and I'm like, wow, I didn't, I didn't even mean to do it, but I think it actually, that kicked off. 
this whole series on belief because we do believe that there is something in the supernatural world that affects the natural that we do not see. And where Satan goes for is our mind, yeah. which our mind is where our, belie our beliefs are centered in. And, and so that started our Creed series, the uh, Rock of Ages, which I had several people talk about the impact of that. And I was funny, we actually had a, quite a bit of discussion. I wouldn't call it debate, but discussion about the use of uh, bringing in popular music on top of that. And I, I think the first one, we didn't land it as well. I mean, it was it, it went well, but we didn't land or articulate well why, why we did it. And by the time we got to the last one, it was like, oh, now I totally understand why we're doing this. But I actually had some people who said those songs, they began to see them in a different light. And I think that was great. But that talked about creeds. And then the form series was talking about all about what is forming and deforming and conforming and ultimately how do we become transformed. Um, that's funny. I tapped the thing and I tried to stabilize it and I just it made, made more noise. Yeah. <laughs> it's and, and that one was talking about the stories that we believe. And when we got at the end of that, I kind of, I was looking at it and going, man, if we're not careful, everything can feel kind of hopeless. Yeah. Like we're all messed up. Everybody's, our stories aren't right. <laughs> our beliefs are right. Everybody's got issues. And, and, and that's why we did the recover series is that if we're honest at the end of every one of those, every person should go, man, I have wrong stories. Yeah. And some of those are more toxic than others. I mean, for sure. I think there are some stories that people believe that have dictated their entire lives. I've met people in their sixties and seventies who are still living in the stories spoken of them in their teen years. Oh, Absolutely. And yet I know other people who think their stories are great and yet their marriages are falling apart. Your marriage is falling apart because you're living a wrong story. Yeah. And and then that led us to if we're all dealing with wrong beliefs, if we're all dealing with wrong stories, that means we're all in recovery. Yeah. And I loved when Derek started us off by reminding us that Jesus is not shocked by our brokenness. Yeah. Yeah. He's not shocked that we've believed the wrong stories. Kate, uh, and I got to tell you, and I'll just say it here, I'm, I'm so proud of the work that you did. And and just so the per people listening know, I don't just pick people to pick them. It's not just so that I can get a break, though this was very helpful to have a break. <laughs> I actually pick people in times where I feel like that's who the Lord wants to preach a particular message. Sometimes a message, I don't feel like I'm in a place to preach or that I'm not the right person to preach it. And, you know, Jennifer, when you preach, almost every time that I've had you preach, I believe the message you you brought was exactly what the Lord wanted and you brought it in a way I couldn't or that I, I didn't need to be the one to bring that. And Kate, the whole issue around community and the importance of recovery, and I told you this after the fact, I didn't know this because I scheduled out a few months beforehand. I needed that message. Mm. I needed that message to be reminded of, man, my community, community is so important for the life of the believer. So I want to take a step back before we get into today's. And now that we're on the other side of your message on yeah. community, and um, before we get into today's, which is what does it mean to be recovered? So we started off with Jesus came to recover us. He, he did the recovery. That's the rescue, right? And then in when we're in recovery, when we're recovering, it's in community. Mm -hmm. And then this week, we're going to be talking about what does it mean to be recovered with an ED at the end. And uh, I think before we get there, share a little bit about what did you learn yeah. in your walking through the importance of community and that recovering process. And then Jennifer, I'd love to hear your thoughts as somebody who's sitting on the on the person listening. I'd love to just 
Yeah. It's been, a, it's been a few days, right? We've had some time. What do you feel like the Lord's spoken in it? I think it's just so affirming of the confidence that we have in the Holy Spirit and like God's word as being alive, that it wasn't a message that like, if you had said, Kate, if I was going to give you a time to preach, like, what would you preach about? It definitely felt like something the Lord, it was like the Lord's, yeah, orchestrated. Mm-hmm. It was the Lord's message. And there was just so much confidence in that, that I just, all I had to do is be obedient and do the work. Um, and be able to deliver it, but it wasn't, it wasn't the mental load of my own thinking. And I thought that was really amazing, um, to get to have that opportunity on a topic that I really do have very near and dear to my heart that I really do believe in, um, recovery process, even before we had celebrate recovery, or even before I had celebrate recovery as, um, you know, a thing that we did at Zion that I was a part of, I had done a lot of these steps of recovering, through my faith. Like when I first became a Christian, this process of recovering and restoring and returning to this restoring of heart, mind, and soul, you know, that's how, as determined by Jesus is how Derek defined it. And I thought that was just such a great definition um, and a way to view it. I have personally, and I shared that Sunday, I've personally been so deeply affected by community And that led to my recovery. And it was just really an easy, natural heart to mind connection of recovery and community are the same thing. They are not, they're not, if you're doing it right, right. Like the the kind of like redemptive recovery that we're talking about, not just a societal recovery, because there are recovery processes that leave out, absolutely, that leave out Jesus, things like that. That's fine. And I'm not diminishing those kind of clinical psychotherapeutic recovery processes. I'm not, but the kind of freedom and redemptive restoration that we have in our minds and souls and our hearts and how we function out in the world, which is what you're going to get into that only comes through this kind of recovery that we're talking about. Yeah. And that only happens in true community, deep community, not just Christian friends. We talked about that, but deep community. Yeah. How about you, Jennifer? What, you know, sitting on the other side of that is anything you felt like the Lord. And we talked a little bit about, actually, I think she just hit on it, that whole, it's not yeah. about being around, around Christians. I think, I think the uh, challenge for the culture in our church is, Having friends who are Christian is not the same as having Christian community. And so when we're on stage talking about Christian community, we are talking about stepping into life together. We are, we are talking about confessing sins to one another. We are talking about holding each other accountable and receiving each other with grace. And, and that's different than having a friend who's Christian. And so, um, honestly, more than anything, the message was just so affirming to me. You know, I had um, spent a lot of time with the Lord last spring and totally revamped the way we were doing community here at Zion. And I think Kate highlighted every single thing that I felt like the Lord had placed upon my heart that I had packed into a guide that I've been <laughs> sharing, you know, with the church as I get an opportunity to. And um, a lot of people who are involved in a missional community group, they have said to me, don't you think Kate highlighted every aspect of a missional community group? Yes, I do. And to Kate's credit, she stepped into it. She didn't have to, but I felt like it was very affirming to me. I, um, I had someone say to me, well, is this really, is this God or is this Jennifer? And it was so hurtful to be like, number one, does it matter? Because if, if, if it's, if it's of the Lord, it will produce fruit and you will know it by its fruit. So if it's of Jennifer, you're going to know it's going to not produce. And so just to even have it, um, 
affirmed for me that like, nope, I was listening. I heard it correctly. It has been implemented. It has been executed. And now it's making a profound difference in people's lives. That was really encouraging for me. Well, yeah. and I think, so you actually referenced uh, the story of Gamaliel when the disciples yeah. are brought before Gamaliel and you've got the Jews, uh, the Jewish leaders who are trying to stifle the gospel and Gamaliel, a very wise rabbi who was conser- uh, a very liberal lab- rabbi, actually goes, hey, if this is of the Lord, nothing you do is going to get in yeah. the way of it. And if it's yeah. not of the Lord, then it'll end on its own, right? Right. And, and you said something that I think is interesting there. That's whole of, first of all, how do we know if anything is from the Lord mm. by its fruit? Yeah. But the other side is, is that God works through people. Amen. That's is, the whole point of that message I was talking about. Yeah, and so and I think this is where I get, I get nervous is when people are like, well, is that of God? Well, the, the fruit of God, was there a part of Jennifer in it? Yes, but there's nothing wrong with that because. Yeah, that's how God works. Well, and even, okay, let's look at and scripture. And if I get it wrong, God still redeems. That's right. Yeah. God, well, and I guarantee you did get some of it wrong mm-hmm. because we're human. Amen. And that's, there's the freedom in that. And that's part of the recovery process Amen. of being in recovery and being in a, in a community who understands is part of that grace is you're not going to get it all right. And this right. this is actually a much broader. But can field. you make yeah. it for being a part of it? Can well, you make and, it better for being a part of it? And even in that, okay. So this is a much different theological yeah, yeah. conversation. But let's talk about God's word for a second. Yeah, Amen. I was literally just going there in so my mind. Here's the problem that we have. So when evangelicalism kind of came onto the scene, it was it was a reaction to science and enlightenment. And all of a sudden you had science in the Enlightenment period where that was questioning whether or not God was real. So you had Darwin's origin of species. Mm -hmm. And so you had a group of Christians, well-meaning, who were immediately like, well, now God's word has to be scientific. And so they tried to make the Bible something it was never intended to be. Yes. And that's where we got words like inerrant. Yes. I'm so glad you're going here. My brain went there too. Here's the point. The incarnation of scripture, and this is to your point, Jennifer. The incarnation of scripture is that it was written by human beings through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Not that the Holy Spirit took over their minds and they just started writing and, oh, I didn't even know what I wrote. They wrote through their experiences. They wrote from their understanding, which is why there are some parts of the, I'm totally tangent right now. I know, I but, it's worth it. yeah. um, but part of it, this is why we find some inconsistencies in scripture because it's written through humans and humans are inconsistent. The only non-inconsistent human being ever was Jesus because he was 100% God, 100% man. And so when we read the Bible, this is where evangelicalism, I think, is hurt hurt our understanding of, well, is that from the Lord or is it from Jennifer? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Bible is clear we need community. The structure, I don't think we could say, well, the structure is the Lord's because it's not in the Bible. The structure was, and it wasn't even just Jennifer. There are other people that have done this. But if it works... Why are we complaining, right? Now, this goes back to the other part, and even in the recovery process. Why, and it's, I'm going to, I'm going to circle the, circle circle the train, right? I'm going to circle back and get back on track, because I'm going to land the plane here. Some people think that recovery means that you're done. Yes. That you're perfect, that you're no longer going to have issues. And that's the whole issue of, no, we're still human beings. So even in our recovery process and recovering, part of the reason why we need community is so that when we do mess up or when we have missed the boat or when mm-hmm. we have gone off target, they can lovingly say, hey, I don't I don't think that part was from God. Yeah. Or they can help prevent you from going that direct, That's down that right. direction. Because and three of us will help hear better and apply better than one of us. Which is why, and this is, oh, so I'm so grateful for the church I got saved in. I got saved at First Baptist Church in El Cajon. I got introduced to Jesus there and the gospel there. 
And, you know, I first understood scripture and worship there. And, and so by no means am I criticizing the church. This has more to do with the culture in which I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. We were so certain about trying to make sure everything was perfect and that we could argue. The goal was about arguing and being right, mm -hmm. that we stopped asking the bigger questions. And part of recovery is not about being perfect. It's about realizing your imperfection and allowing God to work through it. Amen. And I believed, and not because anybody told me this, my pastor never once said, Jason, you need to always be right. But it was what I felt I needed to yeah. be because. It's that like jerk for Jesus apologetics brand. Yes. You know? And one of it was that whole, it's me against the world, yeah. right? And, and I'm right and you're wrong. And there was kind of a glorification during that time that I remember reading about, yeah. by the way, I was not a part <laughs> Thanks of Thanks for this. reminding me of my age. <laughs> I know, my bad. But it, there really was of this like persecution of like you putting yourself out there, almost being annoying in your faith. So oh, that yeah. way that you, you know, and Columbine really changed a lot of the way that Christian teenagers presented their faith in school because of that girl that was asked, do you believe in God? And she said yes and lost her life that day. And then there was this thing, what would you say if you had a gun to your head? It was this whole glorification well, from that. And then there was some, and this is later came out, she may not have said that. Right. And now all of a sudden like that, well, then that, that, is the story not true? We should still ask the question. But I, I the faith I grew up in was the Jerry Falwell uh, where the goal was it's us against culture, Pat Robertson. And again, these men love Jesus. We're trying to do wonderful things. But part of, I think, our, our Christian identity is acknowledging we're always in recovery. Yeah. And there's always going to be a human element in of us. It's not our job to be Jesus. It's not our job to be perfect, but it is our job to be pursuing Jesus and trying to bring kingdom values into the church, not into the world. I cannot, I cannot make a Christian government, nor should I. But I can demonstrate for the world that the God God's kingdom is different than the kingdom of the world. Yeah, we just went so on so many I rabbit know. trails right well, now. I was, you know, I, we talk about past Christians who, at the time, were doing the thing that they believed they was the thing was, yeah. we're supposed to do. And I even think there's a recovery to kind of kind of circle this around and connect it. I think there's a recovery in the overarching like ethos of. Um, American, American Christianity, we'll yep. say. Like, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that's all over the world. But, like, in my little world, right, like, I don't I don't want to assume that what they were doing at the time wasn't the thing that they needed to do at that time. Right. But we see God reco recovering us and rescuing us and growing us as a church body, yeah. not just as an individual person, but collectively. And we see how that shifts throughout our our Christian culture in the world, you know, our quote unquote, our world. I don't want to say the entire world actually, but just what, you know, the part that we live in. And well, I think that's kind of cool. Well, and that's, and no Christian culture gets it right. Yeah. You know, I was, so, gonna, I was gonna say, just to keep going off of that, just to keep going off of that little line of thinking that we were talking about, like there are all things that we tell each other, even in Christian community, even in our churches that we'll probably have to recover from. Absolutely. Like even, even yes. thinking of missional community groups, someday, 20 years from now, Zion might have to recover Repent from of, what, yeah. what we've gotten wrong. Because, because we're we all will. human. We're going to you know, bring but, our garbage into it. Right. And that's the thing <laughs> of like, even in children's ministry, having this idea of I'm probably going to teach children something they're going to have to unlearn. Yeah. But can I give them this recovery tools 
skills so that when they get there and they unlearn, they can do that in a healthy community. And they're not shocked or shamed. No shocked, no shame, right? That's well, and, more important. And I think that's okay. So let's go back 80s, 90s, 2000s, right? All of those felt like reactions to culture. And yeah. we can now stand on the other side of it and go right. and look at the fruit of it. Right. That wasn't healthy. Right. Well, it's never going to be. Now, there were certain parts that were healthy. Of course, it's always the loudest voice and the most obnoxious one that gets all the press. But there were yeah. tons, thousands of Christians who were loving people for Jesus in the way Jesus wanted. But the only ones that got highlighted were the guys the ones who were standing on television telling that, yeah. you know, AIDS was God's punishment on gay people. <laughs> and, and you know, that, that an asteroid's going to come unless San Francisco repents, right? Right. And that's the only voice people heard. What they didn't pay attention to was the thousands upon thousands of Christians who during the AIDS crisis went to the hospital and delivered food. And or were some of the only people at that time that would even go near people yep. with HIV AIDS. And, and so now, but here's, here's my point on this. Okay, so 80s we had, it was, you know, we got to be anti-AIDS, anti-gay. Everything was anti. 90s, it was anti-sex. So you had the purity culture. Yeah. And purity culture, particularly in the late 90s, led to this whole belief, if you save yourself for marriage, don't kiss until your wedding day, you don't date, you don't court. And there were all these rules around it, which was a reaction because in the 90s, we started seeing the impact of the sexual revolution in the 60s because those were the parents who were raising my generation. So you had kids who were going around and just... There was no consequence. And so the, the church was trying to react. And this is the problem with reacting. When you react, you're usually responding, usually out of fear or control or a power dynamic, right? Yeah. And everybody's like, this is the way. And then 10, 15 years later, we're finding out all these marriages that end up super toxic because they were promised a bill of goods that the Bible never promised. Humans right. did, right? Okay, so now here we are in 2010, 2020. And we're going to look back in another 20 years from today. Yeah. And there are going to be things where you're going to go, man, we got it wrong. Yeah. Guess what? That's okay. Because at least if you're getting it wrong, at least you it means you're of, taking the test. Right. We're seeing right. like the trends of like getting away from like the mega churches and things like that. And this performance era yeah. of church is kind of falling away. We're yeah. seeing that, that people are craving a simple gospel yeah. and a simpleness to church. And we're trying to be in on that curve a little bit here in Zion, which I'm grateful for. Well, it's a, it's a, Again, mega church model. I mean, I, it was so many churches. The goal was how do you break 300, 500,000, 10,000? And everything was about that. And the problem was, is that usually the people who drive those all have certain leadership tendencies. Yeah. And so you cared less about whether or not a person was a good man or a good woman. You cared more about what they produced and less about the character, which eventually will show the corruption inside right. of what's produced. It was less of the character, more of the charisma. That's right. And so yeah. now let's take an apple. If the apple looks great on the outside, you're like, look, it's an apple. It's not until you bite into it. Sometimes it's not until you get to the core that you realize that the apple's rotten. Blech. And and so here's the humility in all of this. Who are we to say that we've got it figured out? Yeah. Amen. And and isn't that the first part of recovery, why we need community? And, and this is part of the reason why our... This whole thing around belief, if we start off with the belief that we're not going to get it right. I, yeah. I saw a great quote, and I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but it was, the goal of parenting is damage control. <laughs> That's really the goal of parenting. I'm going to damage my children. I yeah. just want to limit the damage to as much as possible yeah. because no parents do it right. No pastor does it right. No church does it right. right. But how do we create a safe environment, Kate, like you said, yeah. 
where in 20 years, instead of somebody going back saying, man, I have all these toxic things mm-hmm. I had to learn. I had to yeah. unlearn from church. And now you have a post-Christian world, which I don't know that we ever were a Christian world. I think we had Christian values. Doesn't mean we love Jesus. Right. But we have a post-Christian world where now these people aren't redefining church. They're leaving church. Yeah. Whereas before it was you redefined church, you didn't leave it. Now you have a whole generation saying, I want nothing to do yeah, with this church they're stuff. They're deconstructing without ever having or wanting to reconstruct. And and I think that's what, again, we're talking about this recovery yeah. whole thing. And this is really what we're trying to get to is the final message in this, which is actually preparing us for Christmas to like Da-da-da-da. Jesus came. We didn't do an Advent series, but we actually did a whole Advent season that lasted months. Because the whole reason why Jesus came was to recover. Yeah. And to be on recovered and recovered makes it sound finalized until you redefine what recovered means. Yeah. Recovered does not mean that you're perfect or that you've got everything figured out. It means that you were rescued. Yeah. Yeah. And and understanding that now what do you do with that? And we use this Paul, there are at least eight times in the New Testament where the Apostle Paul uses this phrase to live a life worthy of the gospel yeah. or welcome them in a way worthy of Jesus or live in such a way as worthy of the calling you have received. And that word worthy carries with it so much baggage. Yeah. Because I think of Thor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Mjolnir. Like that's what I think of yeah. as Thor is only one worthy can hold the hammer and you have to earn the right to earn the hand to, to yeah. wield the hammer of Thor Mjolnir. Right. Yeah. And there's that uh, in the, Okay, I'm going to geek out a little bit. In the comic books, there's a season where Thor is no longer worthy. Yeah. So he can't wield the hammer. I think this is the problem we read Paul's letters. First of all, we're reading a translation from Greek into English. So we're taking a word that may not be the right word. We're trying to approximate the best word. I think the problem becomes is now we think to be worthy of being recovered means to earn it back. Yeah. And I'll tell you, this is where I've struggled, and and I think I've maybe I've overcorrected at times. The gospel makes it very clear that you didn't earn Jesus's death. I cannot earn. I cannot balance the scales. I even read a commentary from a very well-known theologian, who says who said when Paul said worthy, you need to balance the scales, and I went. No, I, I can't balance the skills. You're going to tell me that there's anything I could do that would make it worth Jesus dying for my sin? I'm sorry, that that's an... I don't think that's what Paul's talking about because then when you look at the rest of the verse, at one point it even says to let God make you worthy. There's an... I got to find the text and I was going to put it in the message and decided not to because I could have gone on all eight texts. Yeah. But if I have to earn it, if I have to balance the scales, then... Jesus, there's no grace involved. I was just going to say that it's not grace. It's something I deserve. Look, I proved that I was worth it. You said something really powerful in the sermon read through, and I think you're going to go off on it at the sermon. Who knows? knows? But it was that knowing the cost of your salvation is not the same as having to repay the debt. And I was like, wow, that that's recovered. I know the cost. I knew it. And then what are you going to do with that then? If you really do understand the cost of what Jesus did and is continuing to do, that's not the same as having to repay it. I can't repay it. You can't. I think of worthiness in those texts as being more like a responsibility. 
Like yeah. it's it's also it's irresponsible to live a life that that I want to say this. Like it doesn't take out the fact that now that we we need to live a life out of gratitude. Yeah. So what does that mean? It means our attitudes, our hearts, our actions, our behaviors, all of that should ref, you know should reflect and point to the glory of God. It's that knowledge of the cause. Which yes. is what Paul talks about. Yes. Is I pray that you have the wisdom and the knowledge of the will of God. Yeah, right. And so I think that, I think we have to be careful where it's like, no, you can't earn it. And I yeah. do, I do think people think that, but also, and not out of a place of trying to earn it, but just out of a place of knowing how much it costs. Yeah. Then we live a life worthy of that calling. Well, and then all of a sudden it now becomes, uh, I have to be bigger. So I, I now need to go to Africa and save a bunch of indigenous people. And, and now I got to be a missionary and I need to give all my money to the poor. And, and now that's all an attempt to earn. You've missed it. Or but, even on the other side, then if like, cause we were talking about how recovered doesn't mean the same thing or isn't a phrase used in a recovery community. Yeah. If you do struggle then still with addictive tendencies, right. oh, well now I'm not yeah. worthy. I'm not. And there's so much shame in that. And that's not what we're talking about either. And I'm not not to discredit any of like God's miraculous happenings in recovery. Can can Jesus miraculously take away that? Absolutely. But there is still things that happen from there. Okay, so let's and even to your example of giving selling all your things and giving it to the poor, going to Africa. If that's done from a place of response to what God has given you, if you feel then it then yes. it is good. Yeah. But if you're doing it as a I got I got to pay back. Yeah. I got I got I got to prove to God that I understood. No, that's not the goal. It's a response because here's the thing. Um what if what if you're not supposed to be a missionary to Africa? Right, you could do and a lot now more you harm go and you've done more harm or what if you give all you have to the poor, which sounds really good, but now you're bitter towards God in the process. Well, your oh, heart yeah. just wasn't right. And we'll say all the right things. No, it's because those are all me trying to pay back to earn. Instead, it's a response. And interesting responsibility, the root of that word is response, right? So uh, I just, and I think I'm going to share this on Sunday, but I was just reading an article about uh, two men and their dog who got rescued after 10 days lost at sea. They were recovered, literally rescued, recovered. Everybody thought they were dead and, and a tanker happened to see them 200 miles off the coast of Delaware. They started off from, I think it was New Jersey or something like that. Hmm. And... Imagine if they do this, they have they they should have been dead, right? First of all, can they pay it back? No. No. Coast Guard, everybody was going, they were flying around trying to find these men, couldn't find them. It was a presumed they were dead. They happened, I don't think I don't believe in luck. They happened to be rescued by a passing tanker. Now imagine if they do that and nothing changed in their life. No sense of gratitude, no sense of I've been given a second chance. How do I live differently? It doesn't mean all of a sudden they need to become pastors. Or, yeah, exactly. Or they need to go or out perfect. and they need to be perfect. But should it shape how they view the world, how they see others? They should be different. They should be different. That's what it means to be worthy. worthy. And that's the whole point of what Paul yeah. says in Colossians is, and he says it in other places, is what it does is it changes how you see life. And now, are you going to forget? Yes, which is why sometimes you need to be reminded. And in community. <laughs> and, and in community. But uh, so going back to so at the end of the message, I talk about this Japanese art form called kitsugi. Mm -hmm. And kitsugi is where they take broken pottery and they bring it together and they, they restore it using gold in the inlays. And the gold is a reminder that this thing was broken but has been restored. And now it's actually more beautiful than it was before. This is the power of our scars. 
every scar tells a story. I have a scar on my head that used to be buried by hair, which I'm still grateful. 47, I have a pretty good full head of hair still, but my hairline used to be about four inches lower or three inches. I have a five head instead of a four head. Yeah, that's funny. I was yeah. just going to say that same thing. Yeah. <laughs> about your hairline? No, no about, about my hairline. <laughs> you don't have a forehead, you have a five I'm head. I have a five head, right? But what's funny about this is, okay, so I have a scar. This I don't... is my kids do this all the time. For those of you who can't see us, put your hand on your forehead. How many fingers do you have? That's the size of your head. That's a Continue forehead. on. Now add another finger and I got a five head. <laughs> Right. So when I was eight, I dove backwards into a pool and I cut my head open. Right. And now it's a scar. So it used to be when I had to have a haircut, they would go through things and I could literally, I had to dig through hair to find it. I go, I got this scar. Please don't cut too close to it because I don't, my part's going to look weird. I remember when I realized that I was getting older is all of a sudden one day I went, well, there's my scar. <laughs> you didn't have to dig for it. I didn't have to dig and there was hair, but it was getting less and less and less. And now the scar is just there. And now I have this weird hairline. But that scar tells a story. And the beauty of our, what does it mean to be recovered? There's a difference between a scar and an open wound. Yeah, amen. An open wound is still bleeding on people, still needs to be recovered, still needs to be healed. But there was still trauma. There was still something that happened. And now I can put my finger on it. I actually remember I get out of the pool. What's okay? Here's the sad part. And this might explain a lot about me. I, the reason why I didn't think much of it when I hit my head is because I'd hit my head several other times on the edge of the pool and never did anything. So when I did it this time, I just assumed it was like all the other times I hit my head on the edge of the pool. Okay. Take what you will of that. I come out and this guy goes, Hey kid, your head's bleeding. I put my fingers right into the gash, like into it. And I could, and I still in my, I can still feel it in my head. If that makes sense. Well, there was a lot of trauma there. There was a lot of blood. But now I do it and I can laugh about it. I'm recovered and it has a story. Yeah. Let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about this story, right? And that's what it means to be recovered. It doesn't mean that trauma is not there. It doesn't mean that there's not an impact. And I think there's still scars that sometimes aren't recovered. Well, and it's like, let me, can I ask you about that scar? And like, no, I'm not ready to talk about well, it. Well, because some, some, and here's the hard part. That's right. Physical scars and emotional scars and spiritual scars are not the same that's thing. That's right. Physical scars, unless there's an emotional connection to it. I and I had a friend of mine who he had a, he had a scar on his arm, and I asked him. I said, "What was that about?" And he goes, "Yeah, my dad used to burn cigarettes on my arm." That's a different kind there's, of scar. There's other kind uh-huh. of scars there. Amen. That's a different kind of scar, and he was able to talk about it, and he was like, "Yeah, very abusive." I bet I therapy like, helps. <laughs> right. That's a different kind of scar than oh yeah, I I I was on the jungle gym and I slipped and fell and. Yeah. It's a a different kind of story. It's a different kind of story. But now let's think about what about the scars you don't see? That's right. And what about the ones that aren't scars And you can't see of others. That's right. I think that's important. We were just talking about Twitch. And what, oh yeah, Twitch the dancer and DJ. But what about the ones that aren't scars yet? That this person might be bleeding. Actively. Actively, but we don't see it because it's not a physical cut. It's an emotional, a soul cut. It comes from traumas. And, And everybody has these. Some people have bigger ones. That's right. And some have the ones that have never been restored. And this is why community is so important. Right. I mean, I'll just be real with my own story. You know, grew up without a dad. I experienced quite a bit of abuse when I was younger. And it was Christian community who dealt with this obnoxious kid who in the 80s and 90s, when somebody, when a kid was obnoxious, they just said, stop. They never asked and went, huh, something doesn't oh, seem right. right. Now, you have a kid, you send CPS out to go check God, families and you take them to therapy and you ask questions. That wasn't a thing. And before that, it was tough it up, just suck it up, right? 
And I think about the men and women in my life, the parents, the Christian community who, and this is going to say, I, I mean this to be kind of graphic. They allowed me to bleed on them. Yeah. They weren't afraid of it. They weren't afraid of it. And I think that's the hard part is it does take a certain level of courage and your own recovery right. to let other people bleed on you. And also it takes some courage to say, I'm not going to let you bleed on me. Yeah. Because that's the other side of recovered in a healthy community. You don't just, no doctor just says, hey, we should probably let them bleed a little bit longer and, and then let's go figure it out. But they're doctors. If you're not a doctor, you can do more damage than good if you try to bring healing, if you're not prepared to do that, which is why Paul says, before you confront somebody in their sin, make sure that you don't have that sin in your life. Otherwise, you could fall into temptation, right? And so that's why we're not, we're not the rescuers. That's right. It's not our job to recover people, but it is our job to point them to the one who does. That's right. And it is our job to be that safe place. My, when I was in high school, my best friend, Tim Reese, who he died five years ago from cancer. We were on a backpacking trip in the San Gorneo Mountains and we played this game. And, and I still remember we were up there with his brother and we played this game called Live Wire. And at the top of the wire, uh, there was a, we put a, a climbing rope over the top. And the goal was you had to get everybody over the wire without touching it. But everybody had weaknesses. And whatever your strength was, in, in, you couldn't use. So if you were physically strong, your arms were behind your back. If you were good at talking, you couldn't talk. If you had good vision, they'd, they'd blindfold you so you couldn't see. And the goal is we had to get everybody over the line. So I remember uh, they threw me over first. <laughs> and then they threw Tim over next. And our friend, who his name's Brad, um, Tim and I are back here. And Brad is supposed to go down. And the first time he does, he lunges backwards. Well, he touched the line. We caught him, but he touched the line. And the line's not six feet high. It's like four feet high. So it's nothing that's going to kill you. <laughs> and so I... Tim, he lands on us, but he touches on us and said, hey, Tim, I'm stronger than you are. Why don't you let me take the heavy weight when Brad comes? Well, this time, so Tim moves in the front. I go to the back. This time, Brad drops straight down. And all you hear is a, and Tim screaming. He dislocated his knee towards ACL for the third time. We're in the middle of the mountains. And we're trying to figure out, like, I mean, it, I still remember hearing it. And I remember the sound of hearing his knee pop. We're stuck in the mountains and we, for like two days, we tried to figure out how to get Tim down. We tried to make an, a makeshift gurney. His brother took a couple leaders and we tried all these things and the entire time Tim can't walk, can't stand, he's in pain. And finally we had to go get someone to rescue us. And I still remember seeing these mountain men come up and they're the burliest looking dudes, right? They come up on this one wheeled gurney and these guys ran up the mountain, took us nine hours to hike it. They ran up it in 45 minutes. And they come in and they put Tim on the gurney. But for two days, we tried to rescue him and all we did was cause more pain. Yeah. We needed somebody outside of us. Yeah. But here's the thing. And this is what I was trying to, what I'm trying to get to. Uh, that was a long story. My apologies. Uh, we, what allowed Tim to feel some comfort is we were still community around him. We kept on trying to save him. Yeah. It wasn't until we realized the only thing we could be was a place of comfort for him and then go get the people who could save him. That's kind of what the purpose of being in community is. Yeah, yeah. But then that's also what it means to be in re to be recovered. It means you get to be the community for somebody else. You get to share how God restored and healed you. You get to share about the impact of church. And it's you sharing your worst moments with somebody else so that they can see there's hope. Yeah, that's right. 
that okay all of that but that's where i was trying to get to <laughs> yeah, that's good. i like it so okay when we talk about this idea of being recovered in recovery and you actually talked about this in sermon read through maybe it was you jennifer i remember which one of you it was there's no such thing as being recovered yeah you're that's the the lie that people who've never been through recovery They'll think is, oh, well, he's over being an alcoholic or he's over being a drug addict or he's over being self-centered or he's over being angry or he's over. No, that's not what it means to be recovered. No. Say more about what is it? What does it mean to be on the other side of recovery when you're in recovery? And people always think about alcohol and drugs, but it's all things. It can be pride. It can be anger. It can be lying. It can be uh, pick whatever brokenness think, we have. I think you said it best when you said recovered means rescued. And you use those two guys and their dog as an example, because they doesn't mean that they're not going to ever get lost again. Right. But Ooh, when, that's good. They can right? get lost. They can they get totally, on the boat like, lost again. again. Are you guys serious? You know, and there's that, all that shame and guilt. That's a whole nother sermon series we could talk about too, with relapse and things like that. But it's not that they're, that they're, their rescue point has made them different. And how are they different now? That's the recovery. Do they make wiser choices? Do they make wiser choices? <laughs> how do they talk about it? How grateful are they? How much gratitude do they express? And how do they express that gratitude when they're talking about their rescue moment and their rescue works? And, and how do they, how could they maybe help other people to right. avoid? I think of, of leaders within the Celebrate Recovery community that that truly walk out that recovery life, that recovered, I walk around like I'm rescued. Yeah. I walk around not like I'm lost, not like I'm bleeding. I walk around like I'm rescued. And I point other people to my res rescuer. Does yes. it mean that I can't fall? Does it mean that I'm not like can't ever be lost? No, it means that I'm different and I'm rescued now. Yeah. Um. I had a good thought, and then I was totally enthralled into Kate's story. <laughs> Sorry, I think, I think, uh, I think for me, when we talk about recovered, recovery for me and being recovered is recognizing the sooner you can recognize that you need to be recovered, that's a sign of recovery. Mm, yeah. yeah. So the sooner that I know that I need a rescue, the more that points to the fact that I'm recovered. Yeah. So it's, it'd be like if those two guys got lost again, the sooner they know they're lost and reach out for help, that I think articulates that they've been recovered. And if you think about too, like if you're in recovery and one of the, we talked about that, one of the first steps is acknowledging that I need somebody yeah, to save me, right? that I'm broken. And if you think, okay, a sign that I am recovered is that I'm aware that this is something. Yeah. I'm aware. Right. It's the awareness. It's the awareness mm -hmm. and being different for it going forward. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. I'm no, we talked about that as like, sometimes it takes a community to be like, Hey, you're bleeding. And sometimes it's a community I afterwards. Am? And I have that rebound is faster. Where I say, Hey, sorry, I bled on you. <laughs> and then from there, it's like, I'm no, I no longer need to apologize for this. Cause I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm aware of it before it happens. So I, uh, I, I, I was putting flooring in my back house. Uh, which sounds way more than it is. It's just a shop that I'm converting into a man space. <laughs> or she, she shed. She shed. No, it's she a man cave. It's not a she shed. It's a man cave. Uh, but I, I had a rubber mallet and I've got a blood blister on here, right? And I was like, okay, I could pop it. But if you pop it too early, not only is it bleed, but it's also painful. So I'm just like, I'm going to let my body do what my body That's does. That's right. So we're over at some friends' houses. <laughs> this is like Wednesday night, Tuesday night. I don't remember. And all of a sudden, and they've got this beautiful white counter. 
And Lisa's like, is that blood? I'm like what? She goes, are you bleeding? And apparently it popped and they didn't know it. And I bled like, and there's all these blood streaks Ew. on the counter, but I had no clue yeah. because here's the thing. Sometimes you don't realize you're bleeding. Yep. Some people are too proud to acknowledge they're bleeding. The other time is you don't realize. It's there's like such that. a disconnect. I think there's also times when you know you're bleeding, but you're not sure where it's coming from. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's a real thing. And I think and that's I, almost more difficult. I mean, you have to acknowledge it. And that, at least in that scenario, you, you know you're bleeding. But it's also like, until I know where yeah. that's coming from. I, And that's where you need to know that you need a rescuer. Because that's yeah. when you can invite Jesus in and go, where is it? I'm hurting. Yeah. The Holy Spirit. Find it. God's word community. Reveal it. Search well, my heart, oh God. And, and and how does God usually do that? He doesn't do it through you. He does it right. through community. Right. right. This whole American ideology of it's my personal relationship with Jesus. That's, that's right. not biblical. Right. In fact, it's the community that God uses around you to say, hey, I think this might be worth looking at. Uh, so this was a story back in the 80s. And I, if I can find it, I will. Um, there was a woman who went in complaining to her friend that she her back was hurting. She had a knife in her back. Oh, my goodness. I think I do remember. Like a guy ran up to her and slammed a knife into her back. And she just thought he bumped into her and didn't. And she'd been walking around all day hurting and her back was hurting. And finally she goes, man, my back is hurting. Someone's like, you got a knife in your back, right? (laughs) And there's a a difference between someone who's too arrogant to acknowledge that they're bleeding. And a difference between someone who doesn't realize they're bleeding. Yeah. And then there's that third one, which is somebody who knows they're bleeding, but they don't know from where. And you need somebody to say, there's the problem. But all of it requires a couple things. Community. Yeah. um, Submission to the Lord. And trust. Submission to the Lord and to a community, to a community. And and it is, this is one of the things that we've tried to do on staff at Zion. And we don't do it perfectly. We've tried to create a culture in which I call it going sideways. Where if I go sideways, I've given you as a staff permission to say, hey, Jason, I don't think you meant it to come across. So that came across sideways because I don't always know what it's, I don't always know when I'm bleeding on people. I don't know if I've had And we never know what it's like to be on the other side of us. That's right. I call it, you can't see your face or your butt. I've never really seen my face and I've never really seen my butt. All I can think of the scripture where God showed his backside. (laughs) That's it. But there's a reason why I use that. When I actually teach on the Enneagram, when I coach on the Enneagram, that's one of the first things I say is you don't know what it's like to be on the other side of you. That's right. You may think that you're coming across loving and cordial or jovial and everybody else is like, that guy's a jerk. That's right. The first five minutes of a stranger being around you, they're going to notice things about your personality that you are unaware of. And and so having community, but it has to be a safe, uh-huh. godly community. Uh-huh. And I yeah. think that's the part that people mistake. And they go, oh, no, I've got a community. When I do weddings, one of the things, and I say it during the wedding ceremony, surround yourself with people who will fight for your marriage, not against that's it. Right. Because I know couples who the reason why they're divorced today is because they surrounded themselves with friends who said, you should be done with that person. Yeah. Instead of saying, hey, maybe you should consider fighting or getting counseling or, hey, maybe there's a part in this that's your part. And if you don't surround yourself with the right people, sometimes they'll add more wounds. You'll end up bleeding from a different place because they make it worse. But also, let's just be honest. A lot of people don't like to be honest about their brokenness. Mm -hmm. And that promotes more hiding. So if everybody's playing hide and seek, it probably means you are too. And so it's better to just not play the game. Find people who want to be found and not want to hide. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. Find people who want to be found. I agree. All right. Well, hey, we're coming up on our hour. Okay. I want to say to both of you just how much I appreciate that you do this podcast. 
Um, also, me. shout out to Brie Shally. She texted us while we were was recording. It it's Brie Shally. She listens this. and she was <laughs> laughing really hard out loud in the library about the she's re she's catching up about this the episode where jennifer was talking about being stuck to the chair oh my that's funny <laughs> that's why i'm back so shout that's, out to brie when you get here <laughs> i i really do i i really so appreciate you both and i think one of the um the reason why we do the podcast is it comes down to a couple things one is i think it's always important to find other avenues but i love that we have different voices talking yeah. about different things because the holy spirit doesn't just work through one person Amen. And I just want to say thank you to you both because you are my consistent co-hosts in this. And we have other guests who come on. Derek comes on, Megan, and eventually I'd love to bring another guest on it. But uh, it means a lot to me and I enjoy doing this with you. Me and, too. and I think the fruit of this, um, one of the consistent things I've heard from people who do listen is they love the different perspectives. Yeah. yeah. And it's clear that we all enjoy each other and we laugh a lot and yeah. we don't take ourselves too seriously. I've heard a lot of people think they're like, sometimes I have to forget that I don't have these conversations with you guys. And I feel like we're all best we're friends. Always. I know. I, think <laughs> I love that feeling. I think that's a great, it's like we are best friends. A great insight into our life, into our personalities, into our faith. Yeah. Like, I think it's pretty cool that technology is where it's at, where it's, yeah. We might not be actively walking alongside one another, but but you can see my heart. Yeah. And you get a glimpse of what our staff is like. The yeah. conversations we have here, we have in sermon yeah. read through, we have them in offices. Like this is a. That's why we start this podcast laughing, you guys. <laughs> Usually, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I think this is one of the things that I've enjoyed about watching what we've developed here. Yeah. Is it does like, it's not that we're best friends. Some of us hang outside of it, but we do enjoy being together. Yeah, we don't always get along and that's okay. Yeah, there are difficulties, but guess what? That's called community. Yeah, amen. So I just wanted to say thank you You're to welcome. you guys for being a part of this. And this is something I've wanted to do for years because I've seen the value of this medium. And I appreciate every person who does listen. And, and if you're listening now, thank you for supporting this and being a part of it. And we're still, I want to do a Q&A one, but we yeah. need to find a way for you to text in questions or that we can get a bunch. And I don't know if, I don't know the best way to do that. So if anybody has any ideas, I'd say text it, but I don't know where to text it to. So we're trying <laughs> to figure it to us. We're trying to figure that out. Um, all that being said, thank you for listening. Hey, excited for Christmas Eve. Uh, we have a 2.30 service, a four o'clock service, a 5.30 service and a seven service. The seven o'clock service is at the traditional building on 4th. And that one I'm really excited about. It's it's actually a very beautiful and lovely service. Yeah, very lovely. The other ones are over at the dock. And then Christmas Day, Pastor Steve will be doing will be doing one service at the traditional building for you diehard. People are like, we gotta do Christmas. <laughs> um, I'm so grateful for this community or this church. And I hope to see you on Christmas Eve. And we are doing a Christmas Eve podcast. Woo! So that there's still going to be a podcast for cool. Christmas Eve. All that being said, this is the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. I'm Kate. And I'm Jennifer. And we love you. Bob Goff. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion Clear Lake app. Share this podcast with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of the Breakthrough Breakdown.